The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 382. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com, where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. Ten Myths of American History. And, of course, you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses and the best coupons when it's Black Friday time, which it is right now if you're watching this podcast before Christmas 2020. You've got great deals out there. I'm slashing prices all over the place. You're going to want to get those coupons. You can also support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going, get your book book plate from there. If you want my autograph of one of my books, I've got a number of books Newest book is Southern Scribbling, 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. I've also got Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America, The Founding Fathers' Guide to the Constitution, Politically Incorrect Guide to the Founding Fathers, Politically Incorrect Guide to Real American Heroes, Forgotten Conservatives in American History, How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, all kinds of ways to get me in your ear, whether it's audio or reading, all kinds of stuff out there. So pick up one of my books. Get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. That Click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Also make great gifts. So think about those things. Christmas is coming up. Get those deals and get those things for that Brian McClanahan Show fan in your life. And, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, rate this podcast. Share it around on social media. Send me your show suggestions. I'd like to see what you want to hear. And, as always, get people thinking locally, acting locally. That's how we're going to grow this program. And it's how we're going to change things. So let's talk about the topic of the day, and it is Joe Biden. Now, I've mentioned before that I firmly believe that uh, Joe Biden is probably going to win. I don't think any of the Trump uh, legal challenges are going to change the election outcome. And I know that's hard for people who are very much invested in Trump to understand, but I just don't think that's going to happen. But of course, what Trump is doing is delegitimizing this election process. He's showing that there is fraud. And of course, in a previous podcast, I talked about how this is nothing new. The whole idea of illegitimate elections is nothing new in American history. We've had lots of them in American history, but it's it's been a while. Now, one thing I want to mention with Joe Biden, and one thing I want to talk about with Joe Biden, is what I see happening with the Biden administration in the early days of the administration. Now, whether Joe Biden makes it four years, he is in advanced age. Let's, let's hope the man lives a nice, long, robust life. I don't wish anyone any ill, but he is, he is going to be older, the oldest president, when he assumes office, the oldest president, if he does, in American history, the oldest president in American history. Uh, and that does not bode well for longevity in, in the executive mansion. Uh, things happen. Things happen in your late 70s. We just saw 
You know, for example, Alex Trebek, 80 years old. Joe Biden, if that if Joe Biden was to die at 80, he would die in office. This is how this is how we have to think about this. Most people, when you get to the average age in America is 76. That's what Joe Biden is. So he's already on borrowed time beyond that. Now he could live to 90. He could live to 95. He could live to 100. Who knows how old Joe Biden's going to be when he finally passes on from this world. But the fact is there's a high chance, a high risk of Joe Biden not making it out one term. And so we also have to look at Kamala Harris. So I think the important part is the signal that Biden is sending in these first months of a Biden administration and looking at what he's saying right now. Now, the interesting thing about Biden, if we're talking about Joe Biden from the 1970s, Joe Biden from the early 80s, that Joe Biden, even though he wanted to be John F. Kennedy, still considered himself to be a Southern Democrat. He did. He was very good friends with a lot of these Southern Democrats who are now persona non grata. They're actually, if I mean, they're, even they're, when I say they're, they're all dead, of course, but when I say they're persona non grata in the Democrat Party, even mentioning their name is now considered to be taboo. You can't, you can't have worked with Herman Talmadge. You can't have worked with any of these people. How dare you say that you actually went out and worked with some of these awful people in the Democrat Party. How dare you say that you thought these guys were, were pretty good guys? Because you know why? They're segregationists. They're racists. And I, I mean, look, the Democrat Party has that as part of its history. So does the Republican Party. But so does the Democrat Party. I mean, you, if, unless we're going to start history in 1975, you're not going to find that. Jimmy Carter, a friend of mine, told me the other day, if you look at Jimmy Carter's inauguration, look at who's sitting right behind him. It's George Wallace. That wouldn't that wouldn't happen any day of the week now in a Democrat. I mean, in in the image that you get behind the candidate to have George Wallace sitting back there, no way. That's never going to happen. Uh, Donald Trump could have promised to give every American a billion dollars, and you know what? He still wouldn't have won. You want to know why? Because of the issue that he has got, uh, he's thought to have racial views that are not in line with modern America. I, I would say that's false with Donald Trump. But certainly, uh, this is the perception is more important than the reality. Here's Joe Biden, who's actually said things that are very racist in his life. But yet, the perception is he's not because he's got Kamala Harris as the vice president. And so the the progressive left is going to be able to control him. But I don't know if Joe Biden's going to necessarily go along with that. Joe Biden's already said privately he's not going after Trump when he gets into office. He's not going to do it. He's not going to go out and prosecute Trump. Because, you see, Joe Biden still believes in the legitimacy of the American king. He is of an old line of Americans who believes that you protect the institution. Trump is not. Trump doesn't care. And I think that's what's interesting about Trump. He just he would tear the whole thing down. Biden wants to protect the integrity of the American monarchy. And he's not going to, even if he doesn't like Donald Trump, and I know he doesn't, Barack Obama really doesn't care about it, except for how it enriches him. But Biden is somebody, he's a throwback in some ways. He's the last, I think, uh, person you're going to see in the executive office 
Perhaps. Now, I mean, I could say there's probably other Republicans and even other Democrats who are much more, uh, who are not progressives or not interested in tearing down the executive office who would not do that either. And look, Trump didn't go out and prosecute anybody. Trump said for on the campaign trail, we're going to lock her up. Hillary Clinton wasn't prosecuted. None of that happened. None of that happened. So, I mean, how much do these people really do believe in what they're saying? How much should Trump actually believe that? Maybe the American public wants it. The American public almost always wants blood. But they're going to protect the executive office. And so Biden's already shown that he's not necessarily willing to go along with the progressive side of the Democrat Party. And in fact, you're seeing a civil war brewing. You've got the squad. You've got Nancy Pelosi, who wants to maybe move a little bit to the left. You've got people that want to go left, and Biden is signaling, no, no, I'm staying in the center. For example... Uh, when you look at student loan debt, and this is where I'm going to get into what Biden's going to do in a minute and where you know the, the traditional Democrat Party matters. Biden has said he wants to cancel $50,000 of student loan debt. Well, for a lot of Americans, that's going to be all of it. Not for all Americans. For a lot of Americans, that's going to be a lot of their student loan debt just gone. And um, this is something that the Democrats have been, have been campaigning on. If you look at Elizabeth Warren, though, and Bernie Sanders, they want to get rid of all of it. It doesn't matter how much you have. They would say, get rid of all of it. You have no student loan debt. It's canceled. So we'll see how this works out. But the, the thing I want to focus on with Biden is how he's going to do it. And this goes back to the imperial presidency. And it's something I talked a lot about in Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. And it's something I talked about in my Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution. It's something I talk about in my American Constitutions class at, at McClanahan Academy. And that is executive orders. You see, when Obama was president between 2009 and 2017... He, for a very brief amount of time, had Democrats in charge of Congress, and they did ram through some legislation. But after all of that happened, and Americans were disgusted by it, and I think you're going to see that, Biden's worried about that, I think, in some ways. He's worried about perception. He knows if he goes too far left, the Democrats are going to get slaughtered in the congressional races. So I think he's trying to stay in the middle so that they can maintain the majority in Congress. The Democrats are stupidly, I think, going to try to push left. Americans are not far left. And so we'll see how this works out. But Biden is aware of what happened with Obama. After that happened, the Republicans took control of Congress. The Republicans are still do nothing. We're going to get rid of Obamacare. When they have the opportunity, they don't get rid of Obamacare. I mean, this is the thing. But he said, clearly, I have a pen and I have a phone. Right? So what is he saying? I'm going to use executive action. I'm going to use executive orders to legislate. This is exactly what the founding generation feared. And he's not the first. Obama wasn't the first to do this at all. In fact, you can go back to many, many presidents in the 20th century, particularly people like Franklin Roosevelt and Harry Truman, who didn't use Congress. I mean, they would use it, but they would rather, they would just act unilaterally if they had to to get what they wanted. And so Obama was doing the same thing. And so when Trump comes into office in 2017, and he does that too, Trump just says, you know what, I'm going to act unilaterally. I'm going to issue a slew of executive orders doing all kinds of things that are really legislative in nature because the Congress refuses to act. 
Joe Biden has already said, because the Senate, if, if, the, if the Republicans win in Georgia, and that's a whole other situation, because we have got tremendous chances of voter fraud for that. People are going to start moving into the state. That's a federal crime. People have asked me about that. I'll just answer this very quickly because it's um, something easy to do. It's a federal crime to move into a state, vote, and then leave. It's a federal crime. If you have no intention of, of actually living there long term, or uh, you know, and you're just going to go to vote. I mean, this is, this is a serious problem. You just can't do that. Uh, so <clears throat> that's, that's something that, but people are talking about this. I'm going to go live in Georgia and then I'm going to leave. I mean, it's hard to prove though, because let's say you are someone who works from home. I just want to live in Georgia for, um, we've got COVID right now. So people aren't, aren't going to work. They're not going to office. We so, you know, I thought Georgia would be a nice place to live for about three months. I'm just going to go live there, go vote. And then, you know, I got tired of living here. I'm going to leave as long as you declare residency. And you got your Georgia license plate, and you got your Georgia driver's license, and you do those things. This could really be an issue. You got RV people; they want to live in these. I mean, this could really be an issue in Georgia. We'll see how this works out. And the left is talking about this. I'll tell you where there's another example of this. It was back in the 1850s with Kansas, with popular sovereignty. You see, what we're looking at here again is popular sovereignty. The 1850s. This is the 1850s. This is what I'm afraid of in some ways. It is the 1850s. You had, uh, you had people moving into Kansas, the New England Immigrant Aid Society, where they were sending abolitionists into Kansas. You had Southerners packing into Kansas. That was also being people funneling money into groups so they could move settlers into Kansas. That's exactly what you're seeing in Georgia right now. Georgia is becoming Kansas. I wonder if we're going to call it bleeding Georgia at some point. But regardless, Biden has said he's going to legislate from the executive office. This is the American monarchy. He's going to use his pen and his phone. And he's already said, these are the things I'm going to do. One, he's going to get the United States back into the Paris Climate Accords. Now, the question about that, I think this could be challenged legally. Number one, that's essentially, that is a treaty. It's a treaty. Never ratified by the Senate. Somebody should challenge this legally and say, this is a treaty. And because it's a treaty, the Senate had to actually ratify this treaty. Particularly someone who was harmed by it. Maybe you're... A, a CEO at a coal uh, at a coal mining operation. Well, you're going to be harmed by the Paris Climate Accords, and maybe you're into maybe you're an oil company and uh, you're fracking. You're going to be harmed by all this stuff, or the the standards for emissions on cars, all kinds of things. You're an automobile manufacturer, and you're going to be harmed by this. So there's lots of people that could go out and potentially sue over getting involved in this. You have standing to sue over a unilateral action by a president, same thing with Obama, these are not treaties. They have the force of treaties, but they have not been, uh, they have not gone through the proper constitutional pro- uh, uh, process for, uh, for the ratification of treaties. It just didn't happen. So that's one. He said he's going to do this. He's also going to open immigration back up. Can the president unilaterally or not unilaterally deal with immigration. Trump tried to do it. He was knocked down. Would Biden get knocked down? Clearly not, because he's going to do the right things, the correct things when it comes to immigration. I will make a prediction. During the Trump administration for four years, we didn't have any, not one. Uh, Well, I take that back. There was one situation, perhaps in Pensacola. But we didn't have any large-scale 
international terrorist attacks in the United States. We had them during the Obama administration. I have a prediction. If Biden wins and he does what he's doing, we're going to have another one during the Biden administration. And it's not going to be blamed on Joe Biden. No, no. It'll be blamed on something else. The fact that Trump is trying to draw down the Middle East, I think, in, in having all these Middle Eastern peace agreements, which John Kerry and others and Biden have said, well, we can't do that. That's impossible. And Obama, that's impossible. Well, Trump worked it out somehow. It's amazing when you have as your agenda to try to have peace. You can get peace if you want it. So we haven't had any of that. I think you're going to see that. In the, we're also Now, there is some, I mean, I've seen some headlines now. Trump's planning to bomb Iran. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, that would be that would be certainly counterproductive to drawing down troops in Afghanistan. So I don't know. I think that we're going to get a Biden administration involved in Iran. I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see a war out of it. The one thing that I'll say about Biden, I think he's going to go after some low-hanging fruit when he gets into office. The Trump executive order banning critical race theory from being taught in colleges, universities, federal training programs, that's going to be reversed. And I think that's going to be one of the first ones they reverse. And I think that's going to be to appeal to the progressive social justice warrior element of the Democrat Party. It's just like when uh, the Democrats took control of the Virginia legislature. One of the first, they, they could have done anything, but one of the first things they did was go after Confederate monuments. You see, because the war on history and perception is more important than anything now in American politics. As I mean, as I said, Trump could advocate anything because he's perceived as a man with uh, non-acceptable racial views or religious views, or whatever. And all, think of all the names he's been called. Well, it doesn't matter. Biden could actually have those things. I mean, the man could be, you could be Robert Byrd, who was a former Grand Wizard of the KKK, but because he is acceptable on certain things, he's okay. I mean, he, it doesn't matter about those things. It's interesting how that works. But um, the fact is, I think Biden's going to go after low-hanging fruit there. He's also going to get rid of this Trump initiative for this... Um, uh, statue park or statue garden, American hero garden, this kind of thing is this new uh, project on American history. He's going to get rid of that. These are the things Biden's going to do very quickly in a Biden administration. Though that's the low hanging fruit. He's going to take out those things because that's what will appeal most to his leftist base. They could, I mean, Biden might even make the 1619 project mandatory training in all, uh, all schools receiving federal aid. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? But I think that some of these things could be potentially there for a Biden administration. We know that he's signaling he's the people that he's looking at for positions of power with monetary policy are not even really economists. They're critical race theorists. This is, this is the interesting thing about all of this. They're, I mean... This is totally, totally different. And it's dangerous. Because when we have executive government the way we have it, when we have presidents who can legislate with a pen and a phone, and that's what's happening, we're going to get this kind of nonsense in American society. We're going to get government by executive. We've got government by judiciary already. We do have government by executive. 
all that's being cut out is the real legislative process. Remember, Article One of the section of the Constitution says states very clearly. All legislative power herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States of America. All legislative power. Not some. Not 75%. Not 99%. Not 90%. Not 20%. All legislative power herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States. So that, that means, if you say all, that means the president has zero That means the Supreme Court and the federal courts have zero legislative power. But what is Joe Biden doing by issuing an executive order canceling student loan debt? By issuing an executive order creating, uh, dealing with immigration, by issuing an executive order getting rid of critical, whatever it is, that's legislative power. You could say, well, that's regulatory power. That's not legislation. What is legislation? It's regulations. It's rules. It's laws. That's what... I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs then. So all legislative power is vested in Congress. This is what John C. Calhoun pointed out, that the Congress is going to continually punt this to the executive because it just made it easier for him. And this is what they've done. This is why the Congress is virtually irrelevant in America today. Virtually irrelevant. The only thing they can do is block. But legislative power, I mean, the president submits the budget. The Congress then debates off the president's budget and essentially gives the president what the president wants. The budgeting process is now in the hands of the executive branch. That's what Congress's primary role was. So what is Congress even there for? Why don't we just abolish Congress? I mean, what does it matter? Just let the president then legislate by decree. We've got a monarchy in America. It's a matter of how much Americans want to go with that. And the states have become irrelevant too when they won't do anything. They won't act like states. They act like uh, subsidiaries of the central authority. This is why I keep talking about thinking locally and acting locally. You can change things if you work from the bottom up. We've seen it happen on a number of issues. It can still happen. It's why the folks at 10th Amendment Center are doing yeoman's work and trying to get people to think about this on a regular basis. Doing yeoman's work. Hard work. Hard slogging through the gutter in politics. I mean, they are working hard to try to do these things. And why you should support them. It's why you know. It's why I work with the Abbeville Institute because the Southern tradition is valuable here as as examples uh, for this thinking locally and acting locally. The Jeffersonian tradition, which is purely Southern. I mean, it's it's important to think about that as we're looking at modern American society and what can we do and what what can we do to try to to right the ship. What can we do to to, to get on the right course again? It's that. So that's why thinking locally, acting locally matters. Biden is going to operate as an elected king. So did Donald Trump. So did Barack Obama. Frankly, so did George W. Bush. So did Bill Clinton. George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, they all did. We all point back to Richard Nixon with the imperial presidency. He's as Arthur Schlesinger saying we've got the imperial presidency. But we had it before that, too. We had it with John F. Kennedy. We had it with Lyndon Johnson. We certainly had it with Truman and Franklin Roosevelt, without question. So we've got the imperial presidency because Americans have started focusing almost all their attention on that particular office in the United States, unjustifiably so, but of course it does produce great fodder for podcasts. So 
Joe Biden is going, and you're going to see this term 100 days thrown around a lot here, Reese, here soon. Just plan on it. What's Joe Biden going to do in 100 days? Why? Because of Franklin Roosevelt. And when Joe Biden talks about unity, he's looking, and I'm going to do something on this too. He's talking about a very specific time period in American history that is uh, the antithesis of most of American history. So I think I might do something like that in the near future and talk about how that's so important in this concept of unity and what that actually means. But regardless, hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.